Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we hear from four-time European Tour winner Matt Wallace, who discusses life on the PJ Tour and his career so far. Hi guys, this is Ben Wiesberger and welcome to the Golf Monthly podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you by our friends at Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and this week I'm only joined by one person, but what a person is it is. It's Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. What an introduction. Uh, nice to speak to you on this uh, lovely week. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, did you play any golf at the weekend, Elliot? Yeah, I played in a competition and I have very bad news to report that I'm I'm no longer a four handicap. I'm a five handicap now, no. unfortunately. So what happened? Well, I've basically got the long game of like an 18 handicapper at the moment. I I was top, topping it. I almost shanked it. Uh, couldn't hit any fairways. Chunking it. The, the long game is just completely gone. But I, I, I'm putting like a scratch handicap, which is really annoying. And uh, yeah, uh, finished one under for the last three, I think. But I missed like a six footer on the last for birdie, which would have got me buffer zone. So, ah, yeah. I mean, you you have some serious mental issues about that final hole at Westy B, don't you? You it's either you either lose a match on the last or you miss a putt for birdie, which means you miss a buffer. It's maybe you should see if you can start on the tenth tee, something <laughs> like that. Maybe that will sort you sort your game out. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I stuck it to about four foot on the 17th, which is a par three, made a birdie there, and I needed to birdie the last to, to make buffer. Uh, hit, hit it green-sided two, it's a par five, and basically duffed my chip. So, Happy day. Uh, Happy day. Yeah. It, it, was, it was absolutely uh, chucking it down the whole time as well. Yeah. Was that Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't play any golf. I tried to play some cricket and I played half a match and then it got soaked. So I um, had similar success, uh, really. So, um, uh, oh, well, well, you know, onwards and upwards, Elliot. The, you know, I think you'll, um, you're going to have, it sounds like you just need one good round with your driving irons and actually you're going to go very low. So keep believing. Uh, no, I think I need serious lessons. <laughs> the swing is in disrepair at the moment. But I, mean, I, I can't really afford lessons and I can't really be bothered. So <laughs> I'm in a little bit of a, a struggle at the moment. Well, I think you get there. Just remember the positivity. You know, we weren't allowed to play golf for a long time. So at least you can play golf. So uh, don't forget that. Don't forget that at all. Uh, and I mean, I think we have to mention that we're quite glad that Nick Bonfield's not on the podcast this week as he's an Aston Villa fan. And uh, he would have spoken for about 15 minutes just about how good Jack Grealish is. So... Um, <laughs> Quite glad he's not on here this week. However, I would be then be able to say that he did muck up his fantasy team, so I pipped him on the final day by a couple of points. Oh, so, did you? Nice. Yeah, yeah, he had a shocker. So uh, I just had to get that in. But um, let's talk about the pro golf. So we're going to start with the PJ Tour, the 3M Open. Uh, Michael Thompson won his second PJ Tour title and first in seven years. The Americans shot 19 under for the week, beating Adam Long by two. He moves up to 99th in the world and qualifies for this week's WGC. Next week's USPGA and the US Open of Winged Foot, which apparently is his favourite golf course. Uh, he also has job security on the PJ Tour up until 2023. So quite an important win for Michael Thompson, you would say. Yeah, massively. Uh, it was a brilliant interview. I don't know if you saw it afterwards. Where uh, Did he cry? I'm, I'm not sure if he cried, but he was very, very emotional. So he's uh, just adopted a, a new baby daughter during lockdown. And uh, maybe seeing the game a little bit differently. He's got massive job security now. He was absolutely over the moon. Yeah, just one win gets you into a WGC, a major, another major, his favourite golf course. I think it's where he played at the US Amateur about 10 or 15 years ago. Mm. So, yeah, really good on him. He played some incredible stuff down the back nine. Because, uh, yeah, he, he's kind of been like between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PJ Tour for the last sort of five years. and. Yeah, it was a fairly strong field. There was, I think, nine people finished third. So, basically, he, he had to really fend off some good guys on Sunday. And he topped it off with, like, an absolutely world-class bunker shot on 60. Stuck it to about a foot. And it was 
yeah, amazing. Good on him. Yeah, I, I actually remember him. Um, him he, a few. Well, yeah, when he won, so what's that? He won the 2013 Honda Classic. I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, around that time, he was actually playing a lot of very, very decent golf. Um, he finished second at the US Open in 2012 as well. So you know, he, he he's had some some you know very good success around that time. But he has rather fallen away uh, the last few years. So uh, it's always good to see someone who was kind of up there and then, and then we've kind of forgotten about uh, suddenly appear again. Um, and he's in the world, back in the world's top hundred, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all looking good for him. And uh, no, I thought it was a very, very impressive performance by him. And as you say, there's a lot of people finish tied third. One of those people is Tony Fee now, who we, of course uh, we have to, um, we have to mention and you've got a very good stat, haven't you, Elliot? Uh, yeah, from from the fifteenth club's Justin Ray, uh, obviously a great Twitter follow. If, if you don't follow him already, Tony Finau is one of five players with thirty or more top tens on the PGA Tour since the twenty sixteen season. The other four, Justin Thomas, McElroy, DJ, and Ram, have a combined twenty nine wins. And obviously Finau, uh, he's only won once then at the Puerto Rico Open. So uh, yeah. clearly not getting the Ws, which. No. Yeah, it's becoming a bit of a monkey on his back now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a shame. Um, where else was he recently where we thought he was definitely going to win and he got pipped? Was that Webb Simpson? Yeah, in Phoenix. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he's one of, he's really popular. I mean, there's a lot to like about Tony Fino, isn't there? You know, he plays the game in the right way. He's, uh, he's He seems quite a happy chap, you know. He's, he's good off the course. His demeanour's great on the course. He plays nice and quickly. And his game is really uh, exciting to watch. But he just can't seem to get over the line. Um, I think it must just be his mental game, do you think? Yeah, possibly. Uh, he struggles a little bit on the greens. I think he missed like a four-footer on the back nine, which he would have liked to have, to have hold. He missed a few other like makeable birdie chances. So, yeah, he, he's got to win soon because... Golf is such a streaky game where you just you can't take your career for granted, and who knows? In, in a year or two, he could be outside the world's top two hundred and in a massive slump. So, well, I think that's a bit. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to that, Elliot. It's going to get right in his head. If you think he's suddenly going to be world, he's in the what, what is he? He's in the top world's top twenty at the moment. That's going to be an awful slump. Yeah, but it happens, doesn't it? You look at. Uh, I don't know, players like Bubba Watson, who, who fell all the way out, albeit Bubba Watson's come back up, but uh, it, it's hard to sustain a career in the top 20. Yeah. So, so ho- hopefully he, he improves, but... I mean, he's had 30 or more top 10s, yeah? In the, in the last, since 2016, 2017. Let's face it, he's got quite a lot of cash from that, hasn't he? Whether he's got the W or not, I think, he's, I think he'll do it right, won't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing is as well he played so well at the Ryder Cup so it shows that he can play under pressure yeah it's a bit strange I do wonder if he's just a bit unlucky and keeps on running into people just playing very well but um, well we'll have to wait and see on that one person who narrowly missed out uh getting picked for the Ryder Cup was Matt Wallace and uh recently Nick Bonfield who we've already spoken about today uh spoke to Matt about life on the PJ Tour, his career to date, and also about not getting picked for that Ryder Cup. So we've got a decent chunk of audio with uh, Nick talking to Matt now, and I think you'll all enjoy it a lot because uh, Matt always speaks candidly. So in- enjoy the, the next 25 minutes or so. Right, so um, I guess we'll start off with just what's it like being back playing competitive golf again, albeit without fans? How have you found the whole process? It's been interesting. Um, it's become the norm now, really, after I played, obviously, six weeks in a row. And um, nothing, nothing's really changed in those six weeks. They've all been relatively similar. So um, we've become used to it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's the only difference is when it comes down to the Sunday, really, the last few, few holes where the, the pressure amps up a little bit, the noises get a little bit louder um obviously last week having tiger back that would have been um the crowds would have been huge uh there'd have been buzzing that he made the cut you know over on his first week back um and you've seen some amazing putts like justin thomas and morikawa in the playoff at the workday uh the playoff at colonial the first week back like those those tournaments would have created some amazing moments but 
without the crowds. It's a little bit different. Um, but it's, it's good, you know. It's, it's the, the PGA Tour are doing a fantastic job, I feel. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I feel safe. I feel happy. Uh, and luckily, I've got a nice, nice result the last few weeks. Good stuff. I mean, I suppose with golf, knowing where you stand at all times, the tension kind of comes from within a lot, doesn't it? So I felt watching that, yes, you know, it'd be great to have the crowd roll when someone holds a key putt, but actually there is still kind of this palpable tension because everyone knows where they stand. If you stand on the 72nd tee, you still know you need to make a birdie to make the playoff. So that, a lot of tension is internal. Yeah, this is, this is what I was saying about the crowds. Like the difference at the moment now is that you might have a few players that don't perform that well under the pressure with crowds and now they're flourishing a little bit. And then you've got some other players that probably play better under under the crowds, like the bigger players um, who like that. I like that. I like playing in front of crowds. I like playing under pressure. So I did lose a little bit of that and I had to create my own sort of pressure between myself. Yeah, well, obviously that worked well this week. You mentioned you played six weeks, but a great fourth place at Memorial. Can you just take us through the week and um, how pleased you are with that finish? Yeah, um, it's sixth week, like you say. It was. Uh, it's been a long time, and um, there was reasons for it, like having this week off and then going to be playing uh, Memphis and the PGA first major of the year. Um, so it was a good time to have time, some time off. Um, work day. Obviously, we played at uh, Jack's Place my first time um, at Memorial there, Muirfield Village. Um, it was good to play both both uh, the same course twice in a row for me. I feel uh, if you look at the either look at the the top ten, I think maybe nine out of the ten played at Workday. Um, so it was nice and it was good to be able to play the golf course, even though it played completely different. I mean, it was probably the hardest conditions. I've played in for, for making birdies. Let's say uh, if you, we've, I've played some courses in uh, uh, in Europe and especially some opens where it's just so brutally hard that bogeys and stuff like that are good. Um, but this was a tough golf course when the wind was up and Jack put the pins away. Uh, the greens were really firm. The wind was swirling and the rough was thick. So it was it was a tough golf course, you know. But it was a good good test, and I think. Uh, the Europeans kind of liked it, didn't they? Ram, mm. myself, Bitsy. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of grind it out. And um, it was good. Uh, you know, I, I played really nicely on Sunday. Played really nice. Um, I go back to the Thursday in the first hole. I was up at 4.30 in the morning uh, for my 7.20 tea time. And mentally, I just wasn't, wasn't there because of the, it was my sixth week in a row. So learned a little bit from that. Um, probably won't do six weeks in a row again. Uh, I've done 10 weeks before in a row in my, I think it was my first year, year on European tour. Jeez. And I, 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 uh, I made sure I didn't do that again. So six weeks is the most I've done in a long time. Yeah, sounds like plenty to me. Um, out of interest, why did you opt for the PGA Tour and did you consider staying back in England for the UK Swinger Tour? Well, I was in the States after the players um, and then... Myself and my girlfriend came back to Jupiter. Uh, we drove down and we were like, okay, we'll give it a week to see what, what's happening. And um, in that week, I think the UK went into lockdown. Uh, they were telling people to come back if they needed to come back, but we had a, a place here that we could stay. So we just kept looking each week. We kept looking at the situation, the scenario, um, and ultimately, we had it was it was really good here. You know, uh, the weather was great. We were in the house that we rented that we really enjoyed. Um, at the time, the golf courses were still open, so I could practice. Uh, whereas back at home, I'd had to have been locked down in the house, so I wouldn't have been able to see my family. I wouldn't have been able to see my friends. Who that would if that, if those options would have come open, I probably would have gone home. Um, so I decided to stay, and then luckily. Um, the PJ Tour came back on. Um, I I was able to practice the whole time, so which I needed to because I, my goal, game wasn't in the place I wanted it to be. So all the positives were that I should have stayed out here, and I stayed out here. If I'd have gone home, I'd have had to done the two weeks quarantine over here uh, when I came back out, and um, 
like Fitzy did that. I spoke to Fitzy. He left pretty soon after the players and then came back out. He said it wasn't an issue. I, I, would have, I wouldn't have found it an issue either. But at the time, it didn't seem like I needed to. And the only downside is that I haven't seen my family and my friends, which I'm hoping to see soon. Sure. I mean, you touched on it there with sort of slightly indifferent early season form. Do you feel the break came at a good time? Obviously, there's basically a non-existent off-season in golf, you know, yeah. so the fact that you're able to play and practice throughout most of lockdown must have been a real positive. Yeah, I was going to say, like, these footballers and rugby players have it easy. They have a whole off-season. It's, it's nice. Mm. Um, I, uh, yeah, it couldn't have come at a better time for me. Um, where I was at with my game... Um, I was working hard. I just couldn't see any improvements really. Like I obviously had a, a half decent finish at Arnold Palmer, which I've I love that golf course. So um, it was nice to go back there and, and play some decent golf. But I was I, I still wasn't hitting it very good. You know, I, I wasn't hitting it how I wanted to. I wasn't playing how I wanted to. So I needed that time off. And obviously, changing equipment, um, moving to Callaway. I've now I now reap the rewards from the golf clubs that they've produced for me, and uh, I just needed that t- more of that time to get used to them, you know. And mm. um, they're 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 brilliant. Uh, the Callaway team have done an amazing job. Uh, they listen to how I want to play. They help me, uh, and even now they're they're pushing me, you know. Even after my best my best finish, sorry, even after my best finish. Um, they're still pushing me on, you know, come on, we can do more, we can do more. And that's what I wanted in a team. Um, and that's great. You know, they're, 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 they've done a great job. And yeah, I needed that time off to, to really understand what I wanted to do in my game. And I, I've gone after it. Good stuff. I mean, the break, obviously, there's quite a lot of, of time for thinking in the break. To give you a chance to kind of recalibrate and reassess goals and expectations for kind of the rest of the season and beyond. Uh, a little bit. I don't really set goals. Um, myself and my team, we don't really set those specific goals like win or do these improvements. Like obviously, we want to get better. And um, with with my team around me, my stats, um, we look at the areas we can improve and we go and practice that and we do tests, we do drills. And then on the golf course, it's all about scoring. And then I've obviously figured that out a little bit better when we've come back. Um, I'm able to score better. Um, I'm able to play, how, uh, not play great sometimes, but still score, which is mm. the key. Um, but then when I do play well, I can shoot the five, six unders uh, and better. So um, seeing that in the last few weeks, um, that's what I used to do uh, back on the European Tour a couple of years ago. Uh, and I've done it in in major tournaments. I've done it in big tournaments. I just lost that a little bit. I think I, I was trying to be too perfect. I was trying to shoot those six, seven unders all the time by playing perfect golf. It's just not about that. Um, I've definitely realised this about finding what's good for my game, and that is drive the ball well and putt well, and mm. do the rest of it. Do the rest of it. I know I'm a, my short game's really good, statistically really good. Uh, from inside 150 yards, I'm really good. It's those 150 to 200 yards that I need to improve from my stats. Um, so those are the areas, you know, I don't I don't set those goals of I need to do this. I know those are the areas I need to improve and those are the things I attack. Well, as you say, though, you can drive the ball well and putt well on the PGA Tour. You know, you're going to have a pretty good career, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the pins, though, they're, they're so tucked away. They're like on three from the edges, three from the back. They're always in those four corners, you know, front left, front right, back right, back. And I mean, it's tough, you know, it's not just dark golf sometimes. You've got to really, you've really got to plan your way around. But when you are on, you can seriously go low because the greens are so good as well. Mm, Absolutely, yeah. So I just wanted to go back to kind of 19 and 18. Was it five top three finishes last year? But but obviously no win. How how would you rate that year out of 10? And and what do you think stopped you recording your fifth or even a sixth top two victory? I think I touched on it before. I think it was trying to be too perfect, you know. Um, uh, watching the British Masters here now, it brings back memories from last year where I, for, for it was the first week I started working with uh, Dr. Steve McGregor, I remember. And he was like, it's not about this week. It's about in a year's time. It's in about two years' time, three years' time, you know. 
And I had that mindset all the way through until the back nine of that week. And I was playing unbelievably well. And then the back nine, because I hadn't done it enough times, I just went back into trying to win a golf tournament rather than thinking of the bigger picture. Mm. And uh, I tightened up a little bit. I didn't play the way I, I wanted to. Um, I had a chance on the last, you know, and and it just didn't fall my way, even though a lot of the times they have fallen my way, but this one didn't. And then Marcus Kinold was, he he held that putt, which was credit to him. Like he played amazing that whole week. And um, it just gave me like an insight into how my mind should work rather than just try and win all the time. It's play my game and that should be enough sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, and, then I went, and then I went the next week and played my best event of the year at the PGA and came third. So um, all in all, it was probably like a, a A- minus or a B plus um, sort of year. Uh, well, I enjoyed it. I got better. Uh, but I tried to be too perfect, you know, I tried to be too good and I just need to do what I need to do and that should be enough. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I want to touch on the, the PGA a little bit later, but um, you mentioned wins there. Obviously, the last one was the, the made in Denmark, which many people, including me, thought was, was good enough, obviously, to get that pick. I mean, I tweeted that you deserve one at the time, I think. Um, looking back, did, did Bjorn's decision to not give you that pick knock you in any way going forward or were you able to put that out of your mind fairly quickly? It didn't knock me. It didn't. It, it it didn't even surprise me. You know, it was it was disappointing. I was really disappointed. I was I was more upset with like, could I have done more? Yes, I could have done more. Um, I could have played better in in those Rolex Series events. I think I missed four cuts in a row prior to that event in Denmark, which then I went and won. Like I, I played Czech Republic the week before, and I think. I was like looking back, you go, wow, they won in such an emphatic way. And I was so happy for Europe to win like that. I think playing over here in the, on the PGA tour now, it's important to play against these guys week in, week out. You know, um, I know Turbjorn got in automatically. He had played in on the PGA tour and played well in Akron, I think Firestone. And so he played against these guys, you know, and, and the same with obviously all four picks, like they've been around for ages. So they played against these guys all the time. And it's important, you know, because you, it, it, it's not just their history that comes with it. Then, you know, these guys, you know, that you could potentially beat them. And that's what I've learned now after being over here on the PGA tour for a while is that if I played in this Ryder cup coming up next year, um, I'm 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 ready to go. You know, I've played against these guys all the time. I've beaten them, um, so that that's something that I didn't have last time. You know, mm. I didn't I hadn't played against these guys all the time. So uh, maybe that that went against me a little bit, even though I was probably the hottest player in Europe at that time. Um, not to say, like I, I say all the time, not to say I couldn't have added a point or added half a point, but. It just, I just use it as fire, you know. I just use it as I'm going to make it there sometime. And I, I will. I just, I, I just have to do what I have to do. Do you think the postponement benefits you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie about it, of course. I, I, was, I wasn't in the running at all. Not, not even a sniff, I don't think. Um, and so I got, actually got a phone call from, from Paddy uh, at... Uh, where was I at the Travellers and it was the day after I played on my own uh, so he called me up and we had a little chat about that but then he said listen uh, you might hear some stories that the Ryder Cup will be postponed um, it's not true unless you hear it from me sort of thing so uh, I just I, I remember replying to him and messaging him and saying you don't know how much that phone call means to me mm. I, I wasn't even in the running I shouldn't have been in the running, but um, I appreciate that you still have me in mind sort of thing. And that, that to me is, it has given me that confidence over the last few weeks to perform um, because I'm hoping that if Padraig is, needs, needs to use me as a wildcard pick, you know, um, he knows what he's going to get from me. He's going to get that passion and he knows now that he can, 
he can boost my confidence by saying a few things because he's shown I've shown that he he did that over a phone call and boost my confidence and and then I go and play like I did the last few weeks. So um, if I can try and knock off knock off a win come the end of this year, even though they don't count towards the Ryder Cup uh, listings and stuff like that, I hopefully it'll it'll put me in good stead come uh, come next year. Absolutely. As you say, the fact that he's paying attention to you must, must mean a lot. Um, something I, I think is really interesting with your career is the fact you kind of, in a short space of time, went from being kind of relatively unknown to a favourite in, in most events you teed up um, in. Was that yeah. transition difficult to deal with or did it come easy to you? Yeah, I was definitely a nobody. Um, I, went from noth- I went from nothing, basically, to then... But then I became favourites most weeks on the on the Alps tour, you know. So I had to deal with that pressure a little bit, and I know it's completely different to the European Tour and PGA Tour. Um, but I, yeah, I um, it. I don't care about those favourite things. So it doesn't matter. Like they, honestly, it doesn't matter. Um, I think it's only that era of Tiger when he was he was odds on to win tournaments, which nobody will ever do again. Um, and then he won those tournaments. So I don't think there's anyone that can that can say their favourite golf tournament that they believe that they can go and win that tournament because of their favourite. Um, just at the time that I was I was playing really well, you know, I was playing really. I was I was on a hot streak on the European Tour. Um, I wanted to be in those positions. I didn't want to. I wanted to win. I, I I wanted to be in those positions, so I didn't shy away from winning. You know, some people get in those positions and don't know what to do you know they want to win badly but they don't know they don't know how to deal with it whereas I'd won a few times on the Alps tour so I'd learned back then then I, I, I quick rooted through um, the co-sanctioned event in Portugal and then I'm on the European tour you know so everything was going smoothly mm. it's just the last few months <clears throat> first my first real kind of setback a little bit um, I wasn't playing well at the end of last year um, so it wasn't the clubs or anything like that. It was it was purely my technique and the way I was playing golf. And uh, yeah, come come full circle now that I feel like I'm playing better golf than I've ever done before now because of everything that's gone before. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, and we obviously touched on it just before there, uh, the, the 2019 US PGA. Um, yeah, we obviously finished third, would have been in genuine contention had it not been for, for Kepka's brilliance. Um, it feel good to establish yourself as kind of a quality player on the world stage and, and prove that you belonged at the top table. I needed that, you know, I really did. Um, I try not to look at the social media stuff and the reasons why I didn't make Ryder Cups or the reasons why people don't back me sort of thing um, was because I hadn't done it in a major, I hadn't done it in a huge tournament. Uh, I think I came 18th at the PGA the year before at Belle Reve. Uh, and to me at that time, it was a great, great tournament for me. I'd, again, I don't feel like I played amazing at, at Beth Page, but that course just set up really well for me. It was a grinder's golf course, um, which, which to my advantage is pretty much all majors is you need to grind it out. You need to win uh, by grinding. So uh, I, I was really happy with that. Um, I know I could have played better, but I played I played pretty good. Uh, I hold some really good putts, um, and it was tough. So yeah, apart from Brooks uh, showing us all up, um, we might have been right in there if uh, if he if he wasn't there. It, it seems as if your new ethos is going to translate pretty well to majors in the sense that you're not trying to play the perfect round, right? Do you mean do you feel that? Do you think that you're much better prepared to deal with those challenges now that you've kind of let go of the, the perfect round, as it were? Definitely. Um, I think going from Alps Tour to to some certain tours, some some certain courses on uh, on the European Tour, where it's just like make as many birdies as you can, sort of thing. Uh, and similar to PGA Tour over here, uh, Rocket Mortgage, like make as many birdies as you can. You just can't do that on some courses, especially majors. Bogey avoidance, double bogey avoidance, is the key that week. You know. And then picking off your birdies when you can, and attack attack your shots when you've when you've got a chance, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I've learned so much in the last few few months um, that I'm excited for 
for the hard courses, the hard tournaments, the big tournaments. Um, but I've still got that side to me that will that, that I know that I can make tons of birdies on on the easier courses as well. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean that 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 transitions quite nicely to throwing it ahead. Uh, you kind of touched on the mid iron play there, but what other areas of your game do you think you need to improve upon to be a consistent performer at the top level? Um, that's like going by the stats. That's pretty much it. Like going by the stats of how my game is. Um, I think I'm outside the top 100 in my approach play from 150 to 200. And that's not good enough really for where I want to be. So if I improve that, all the other stats will, will come together. Um, my short game's good. Putting's got way better the last couple of weeks. Uh, the driving's good now. Um, after I've done a few tweaks in that, in that period of time off with my driver, I've just got, I know the areas that I've, I've needed to improve. I'm on them. Um, obviously I've got Dave back as well, uh, which is massive for me. Um, because we're, it, it feels like we've, we had one go, we've learned from that and now we're, we're moving forward to how to win these big tournaments. So, um, I really want to win a tournament, a winner, win a major for Dave, um, before he not, before he signs off somewhere down the line. <laughs> How, how did that rekindling come about? Oh, he wanted me back really badly. So, uh, <laughs> um, how did it come about? Well, I had Wobbly on the bag, Phil Morby. He was he was amazing. Um, he was really really good over this period that when we were over here in the states playing those events. Um, but I asked Dave. I said, "What's his movements coming after this period of time? Whenever we may come back." and um he asked why and i said well i'd like to i'd like for us to to give it another go you know I'd like to give it another shot and he had a thing he thought about it for a couple a couple of weeks and came back and said yeah i want to give it a go so um i was really happy with that he he knows he did he told me that he wants to he wants to caddy for someone who can win a major you know and that just gives me a boost so um we also have fun, you know, we also have a good time. And I've learned from the time before. Um, and that time before came at a time where, like I said, I was trying to be perfect. I was trying to be so on it all the time that it's not, it's not sustainable. And Dave's, Dave has his flaws. I have my flaws. And if we know that, if we know each other's flaws, we can accept it and then we can move on and be good at what we're really good at. So, um, that's what we're on. That's what we're on towards now. And um, he's still asleep at the moment, actually. We should probably go and wake him up. I'll leave him be. It's only nine in the morning. Yeah. Um, th- that leads me on kind of quite nicely to, to this, this question. Um, is there any doubt in your mind that you have the ability to win major championships? No doubt. No doubt whatsoever? No doubt. I, I, I did have doubt, like, a couple of years ago. I was like, how am I going to win this? But then... One of my favorite things I've heard recently is how do you how do you like build your confidence? You build confidence by seeing things. You build confidence by doing things at, at in certain times. So the fact that I came third at the PGA gives me confidence because I've seen it that I can be in contention. Mm. Whereas before I had I couldn't. When you win a tournament, you see that you can win tournaments. You know so. Uh, and now I've played against these guys. I've played with Rory. I've played. I've played. Ev- I've played everyone pretty much, apart from Jason Day. I think I've played against everyone, and they're amazing. They're they're phenomenal. But I can seriously do this. You know, I can I can win. I can win a major. Brilliant stuff. Okay, I just want to ask you one more question on this, and then move to a couple of other equipment things. Yeah. If that's cool. Uh, you're now thirty. What yeah. do you want to have achieved by the time you're forty? Oof. Um, I want my iron play to improve <laughs> because these are the things, you know, If I, rather than setting goals of wins and stuff like that, if I improve these areas, because the stats are so good nowadays, if I statistically get better and improve those areas, I will win tournaments because I know in my head, I know my heart, I know I've, I've got that passion, that drive and that fire to win a tournament. So 
I'm not going to shy away from anything. Um, I've got the determination, desire. I want to. I want to keep. I want to keep those things up. I want to keep that passion up for the game. That's a, that's a huge thing. I don't want to lose that. Um, but I'd shorten that. You know, I I wouldn't say ten years. But so in five years, I want to have achieved something that I've always wanted to achieve, and that's win major. So there you go. Uh, a quite a chunky interview there between uh, Nick and Matt Wallace. Uh, anything that really stood out for you there, Elliot? Yeah, lots that stood out for there. I thought that was a really good interview from Nige and with, with Wallace. Um, he, he's just so confident, isn't he? So driven. And I love that he's just got absolutely zero doubts about how, you know, if he's got the ability to win a major. Uh, it, it seems like he had his breakout year a couple of years ago after coming through the Alps tour and then kind of found his feet a little bit last year because it was the first year where he really hit the big time. And clearly, like, like you said there, he's done a lot of work and I think he's, he's ready to attack his career now and, and go on to win majors. Uh, I loved what you said about the Ryder Cup and how he, he didn't take any bitterness from that and it just spurred him on. So, uh, yeah, um, definitely one to look out for this week, I reckon, especially after yeah. that. Absolutely, I was going to say that. So we're going to come on to the uh, the previews for the week shortly, and uh, I think Matt Wallace may uh, may feature. Uh, so um, we're just going to have a quick chat though about the last couple of events which happened over the last week. British Masters, great to have the European Tour back on UK soil. Uh, Renato Paratori dominated at close house to win by three. Rasmus Hogard was second with Justin Harding, who I picked last week, uh, finishing third. Uh, Paratori, who is just 23, has now won twice on the European Tour. Uh, did you manage to watch much of it, Elliot? I didn't watch any of it live because I was uh, out in the daytime. I watched a bit on Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday. He, he played fantastic golf. I can't believe he's only 23. He looks a, a massive star for the future. Do you know what? One thing I will say, and one thing that we thought was was going to happen is it's a great spotlight to have on some of the golf courses we've got in the UK. And I thought Close House looked looks fantastic. Um, yeah, some, some of the views they've got from that course are, are just amazing, aren't they? Uh, I mean, I, the weather seemed to be okay in parts, <laughs> and it obviously always looks nicer when the sun's out, uh, but it's in the north of England, so I'm sure they get a bit of rain. But um, I thought it looked fantastic. It was just great to see a European Tour event, some players we hadn't seen play for a long time uh, actually teeing it up. So it was great to have, and I'm really looking forward to the, to the next few events. We've got five in a row, haven't we? Yeah, I'd love to see Paratori's odds to make the 2023 Ryder Cup now in Italy. Like, obviously, it's going to really help him that it's been pushed back a year. And, uh, and yeah, just looks such a great talent. But then again, so did Matteo Manassero. So we'll, we'll wait. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. One other event we're going to chat about uh, very quickly is the Rose Lady Series event, which we're still really enjoying. Uh, Georgia Hall won by a single stroke at Bearwood Lakes after three runner-up finishes in her only three starts in the series, so it's really good that she got over the line. She moves to second in the order of merit behind Charlie Hull. There's one event left at the Shire this week before the three-event finale. Uh, and it's great to see her playing well, wasn't it? Yeah, she's an absolute class act. And uh, the cream is really rising to the top here. She's only played in four events and she's finished second, second, second and first now. So uh, Charlie Hull's still leading, but Charlie Hull will be looking right over her shoulder. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great finish, um, yeah. especially culminating on, on the West course. Yeah, it could be really exciting having that, those uh, those women playing so well. And it'd be great to have a, a real big battle between the best female players in the UK. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward for the next few weeks on that as well. It's been a, it's been a huge success, I'd say, uh, the Rose Ladies series. So well done to everybody who's helped get that off the ground. Um, now, looking forward to this week, we've got our second WGC of the year, although it's July, and we could hardly remember the first one, uh, which was the Mexico Championship, which, of course, Patrick Reed won. Um, this week, it is the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Kupka begins back-to-back weeks where he's defending titles he won last year with the USBJ Championship, of course, next week. TPC Southwind hosts for the second time this week. Uh, this event used to be the Bridgestone Invitational at Firestone, of course. All of the world's top eight are playing, including 45 of the world's top 50. No Tiger Woods, he's resting up for the year's first major next week. Who do you think is going to do well this week, Elliot? 
Uh, I am going to pick the second favourite in the tournament and go for Rory McIlroy. He's had a, a very poor start to his this second campaign after the COVID break, but he's been working with Michael Bannon, his coach in Florida, and I've seen some of his Instagram stories and his, his golf swing just looks amazing. So, yeah, I think he was second last year to Kepka. Um, got a bit outclassed by Kepka on the final day, but, yeah, let's go for Rory. I mean, when you say he's had a very poor return, I mean, he's he's, he's made all the cuts and he's had an 11th, so he's not been that bad, has it? I know it's, it's just poor to his standards, you'd probably say, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I really like the look of... Justin Thomas this week, who, I mean, it's very tight at the top of the betting with Ra, McElroy, DeChambeau and Thomas all around 12, 10 to 12 to 1. So uh, I think Justin Thomas is, is someone that we should be really looking out for. And also someone that I'd really also like the look of is Matthew Fitzpatrick, because you can always get decent odds for him. He's 35 to 1 or something along those lines. He's in the world's top 20 now and we're playing really well. Um, I think he'll do quite well. Another outside pick, Jazz Janowatananand at 500 oh, to 1. Player. Has not been travelling well, but he just plays so well in Asia. So let's go for him as well. A pound yeah. each way. And we said we we're going to mention Matt Wallace, who obviously was fourth in his last start. And we've already heard a lot from him. He's obviously in very confident, buoyant mood. So he's uh, he's around 100 to 125 to 1. So I think that's pretty decent odds. So um, there's a few we've just machine gunned out to everybody there. Um, for all the betting tips, do go to the Golf Monthly website or Google Golf Betting Tips and click on the Golf Monthly posts. Uh, last week, I, I picked two third-place finishes in each event, which was a nice little bit of each-way money, including Charles Howe the third, who was 100 to 1. So um, I'm obviously in maybe in good form, a bit like Matt Wallace, <laughs> you think? Uh, yeah, so, so how much in terms of actual cash return was that then? Oh, you know, is a you know a few few pennies here and there. You know, it helps you helps you. You know, I can't go out anyway. You know, we're all, all stuck at home, just reinvesting it in things, aren't I? Yeah, I, mean, so, I, would, uh, I, would, I was going to say it's worth a couple of pints, but I hardly go to the pub now. So, um, yeah, you know, it's all good, all good. Keep, keep believing. Come on, come on, Elliot. Let's be a bit more positive. No, I am being positive. I just want to know how much money you made. <laughs> I, can't, I, don't, I can't remember. Um. So moving on, we have another event as well, which is the second of the UK swing events on the European Tour, and it's the Hero Open. Um, it was originally called the UK Open, is that right? Or the British Open? English I Open, I think. English Open, that's the one. Uh, but obviously they've got a good sponsor in there, which is fantastic. And um, the, the European Tour returns to the Forest of Arden for the first time in 15 years. What were you doing 15 years ago, Elliot? Uh, I was probably just about taking up golf for the first time. There you go. This maybe maybe you saw a bit of Forest of Arden on the TV, and that's what inspired you to play golf. Well, yeah, maybe my dad was watching it, and he thought, you know, I'm going to take my son down this uh, rubbish nine-hole golf centre and get him started. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, and well, you know, maybe it might inspire a few other youngsters to get uh, to turn to golf uh, after this week. But the, the club hosted the English Open four times from 1993 to 1996 and the British Masters three times from 2003 to 2005. Five-time European Tour winner Torbjorn Olesen makes his first start in 12 months after his European Tour suspension was lifted. Uh, last week's winner Renato Paratore is also playing as well as the likes of Eddie Pepperell, Andy Sullivan, Yus Lauten and Thomas Detry were all fancied with the bookies. But who do you fancy this week, Elliot? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Torbjorn Onnesson back. He's obviously a, a really class golfer and played amazingly at the 2018 Ryder Cup. He's about 45 to 1, uh, but you would imagine it would be very rusty. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to go for Adrian Maronk, uh, the Polish Tiger Woods. We've, we had a feature with him recently. It's uh, on the Golf Monthly website. It was originally in the magazine. 150 to 1. He went to a US golf college, um, came up through the Challenge Tour, won on the Challenge Tour last year, and he hasn't really done anything on the European Tour yet, but he played quite well last week, so could be the week, hopefully. Yeah, you've gone straight for an outsider. I like your style there, Elliot. Um, I'm not going to go for quite as long as odds as that, but I'm sticking with Justin Harding, who was my pick last week, and he finished third as well. He's my second third. He played, I thought, really nicely. He 
was right up there to the end. He had a few issues on the greens, I think, in the final round, didn't he? And just fell away slightly. Uh, but he's 25 to 1 this week. So I think I'm going to stick with him. Um, anybody else that you like the look of? Just uh, looking at the odds, Dale Whitnell was uh, was fourth and he's 150 to 1 this week. So that's quite good odds. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very hard to pick when these guys still haven't really been playing much, have they? Absolutely, absolutely, and it's 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 a great chance for these guys to you know get their the season really off to a flyer uh, like Paratori happened last week. So um, again, do check out the Golf Monthly betting tips for the latest picks for the Hero Open, and uh, see if I can increase those third place finishes with a with at least a second this week. But let's well, obviously let's hope for a winner as well. But do yeah, do Google Golf Monthly Tips and click on the Golf Monthly posts. In other news, it was announced that England Golf has scrapped a scheme where non-members could have gained official handicaps. Elliot, this is a bit of a blow for the nomad golfer, isn't it? Yeah, this uh, this got quite a lot of traction on the website, uh, I think, on Friday and over the weekend. So England Golf had a, a kind of video chat with, I think, about 200 golf club managers. And it was revealed that this scheme had been scrapped. It would have been known as the independent golfer, where casual golfers would have paid a one-off fee for like via the England Golf website uh, to gain an official handicap. So yeah, that, that's off the table and, and back to the same old route where if you want to get an official handicap, you must join a golf club. And yeah, what do you think about that? I think it's I think it's a very backward step, if I'm honest. And I think it's that there's enough hurdles and obstacles in a way for people to get into the game of golf whether it's the cost of clubs golf balls attire you know I, I don't know why the clubs quite have quite so much power around handicaps and I think this scheme would have been really good and would have been actually could have been very very popular uh, with a lot of Lots of nomad golfers. And also, you've got to remember, there's a lot of golfers who just play a lot of golf, but just in societies and things like that. And I think they, you know, it would have been really good for those guys as well. So I, I'm a bit disappointed in it, to be honest with you, because I think it would have actually been a very positive step forward. Uh, but instead, it's now stuck behind another paywall, as it were. Um, and, you know, golf club memberships aren't for everyone. Of course, we want the golf clubs to do well. And there are a lot of great golf clubs out there. But I don't see why people should have to be a member of a golf club to, to get a handicap. I think it's a bit of a, a you know, a very traditional stance, a very old-fashioned stance, in, in my opinion. Oh, very interesting. Uh, obviously, as a, a nomad golfer yourself. But as a society player, why would you need an official handicap? That's the thing. Well, yeah, but because... It's in, even in societies, you know, you want the whole point about a golf handicap is it is it about the fairness of a game. It's about having a good competition and having a level playing field for everyone who takes part. That's the whole point of a golf handicap. And in societies, you want that to be as level a playing field, just as if you were playing an official competition at a golf club, or an, or or if you want to maybe. Um, apply to go and play at an open at a different club you know you you need to have a handicap certificate um and at the moment you can't have that unless you're a member and there's obviously a big cost and and sometimes a time thing about using your golf club membership as well so i think it's i think it's just disappointing i don't really understand why they shelved it it might just be a case of um the situation that we're all in at the moment and the cost of how much it was going to run, I, I don't know. But uh, I think it's it's disappointing. Uh, yeah, so I completely disagree, which I guess is quite good for, for the podcast, because if uh, if this goes ahead, the, the amount of people that are members of clubs and perhaps don't play as much would just immediately cancel their memberships. So it's probably in the long run a good thing for the longevity of I don't. I, I really, so you think that a lot of people are just members of golf clubs just to have a handicap? The main part of being a golf club member is to play the golf club. No, no, no. It's to to play the competitions, to get the handicap, to to get the whole package. And if 
if you can get a handicap elsewhere, then perhaps if you're not 100% committed to your club, you may uh, stop paying it 100 quid a month or whatever you currently do, which could be quite costly. I, I, I'm not sure that... I, it'd be interesting though. I, it's, it's a fair point, but I, I'm not sure that people just join golf clubs for the membership, for the for handicaps. And, that, and, that, and that's, that's why I think it's... It's 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 a it's a shame that people this this scheme has actually been stopped because as you say it's, it's there for the whole package it's there for maybe the social side it's there to play the course it's there to also get your handicap it's there also to to be able to play in the competitions so there's at least four things there that you know that we thought about whereas this scheme it could have just been a very simple one to get your golf handicap and which you know it doesn't give you any right to go and play anywhere you've still got to pay your money to go and play on any golf course. Yeah, and if you want to play in the Open, you're going to have to pay your money for pay your money for that as well. So, um, but it's interesting that we have slightly different views. But and also it's interesting because you're a golf club member and I'm not. So, um, yeah, I, it's I, I, I'm hoping that the, the, this conversation won't go away um, and they they keep looking at it because I do think it's it's just such a traditional barrier. Um, and I, th- I just think golf should be moving forward. And I think this would have been a way of moving forward, to be honest with you. But, hey, my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. be interesting to, to hear what our readers and listeners think. Absolutely. And that's what I was, I was just going to move on to, Elliot, saying that we'd love to hear what your thoughts are about this. Do interact with us on Instagram and Twitter at Golf Monthly or on Facebook. Uh, where we've got a, a Facebook post up about this. Do search for it. Um, or you can just obviously leave us a comment. Uh, on our Facebook page, which is Golf Monthly Magazine. Or, of course, you can email us as well, which is golfmonthly at futurenet.com. So do drop us an email, and uh, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. And maybe we'll um, try and answer some queries on it next week, Elliot. Yeah, I I would say as well that this is only an England golf thing, and uh, it it could potentially still come in across the UK and Scotland or you know, around the world, wherever you live. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll keep an eye on it. Thanks for listening this week. As ever, please do subscribe to the podcast on your usual provider and leave us a review. Uh, And, of course, check us out on social, as I just mentioned. We'll be back next week to look ahead to the year's first major, finally, at TPC Harding Park, where Brooks Kupka will be defending the US PGA Championship. And we are looking forward to it an awful lot. So uh, make sure to tune in next week. Elliot, thanks very much for your time. Yep, cheers Tom, I'll speak to you next week. Have a good one. Indeed, I'll speak to you then. See you later, bye-bye.